Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a fish podcast where we compare and contrast songs and the evolution of their jamming styles throughout the band's career. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I am joined by Eric Renner-Brown. Eric is an editor and reporter at live music trade magazine Polestar, where he has written cover stories about Billy Strings, Goose, Lockin, Trey Anastasio's Beacon Jams, and more. Last year, he produced Osiris Media's Alive Again, a four-episode podcast about Trey Anastasio's career outside of fish. Definitely recommend you check that out if you haven't already. His work has appeared in Entertainment Weekly, Rolling Stone, Vulture, Billboard, GQ, and People. Eric, you can say hi. Hello. Thank you so much for being on today. Really excited to talk some fish with you. I, you've picked a, a great song uh, that I've really, really been looking forward to uh, discussing. Um, so to start, why don't you just tell a little bit about uh, how you got into fish, um, and then after that, you know, why you picked the song that you did. Yeah, so I am a uh, relatively recent uh, fish adopter. Um, I'm a huge deadhead and have been for a while. I got it from my dad, uh, you know, passed down from generations. And, the best way um, to do it. It is. and But he, however, was a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit older than fish's uh, age bracket, I guess, and, and was never, um, never really into fish, so... That was kind of a blind spot for me, and um, as everyone listening to this is well familiar, that uh, fish is a very daunting catalog to try and kind of like penetrate to somebody who doesn't really know what's going on. So I never really took the plunge. I was very consumed with uh, with the dead and with all my other various you know music that I'm into, and um, didn't really take the plunge until the pandemic. And I actually got inspired by uh, another podcast, Thirty Six from the Vault. They did their uh, episode about the island tour. And I was like, I have, to, I have to check this out, and I um, and I did. And I, I love Thirty Six from the Vault, by the way. <laughs> it's I, great. I had, yeah. I had Rob on uh, in mm-hmm. November. Uh, if mm-hmm. there are any fans of Thirty Six from the Vault listening mm-hmm. to this who haven't heard that episode, we talked about Simple, and it's awesome. So check cool. that out. Yeah, yeah. Rob, Rob is great, and um, you know, another kind of uh, another guide on my initial journey. He has kind of a doc that circulates of some of his like key shows and stuff. Uh, definitely uh, skewed toward 1.0 so that was kind of my um my entry point and I got you know just really into that and then yeah as things kind of unfolded you know I uh ended up kind of dovetailing with uh work I ended up doing some reporting about the beacon jams and that like sent me further down the rabbit hole and started getting really into tab and so it's been a uh it's been interesting I guess like basically two years of kind of doing the fish deep dive and I finally kind of feel like I have a handle on it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been really fun and, and definitely has, you know, as, as I'm sure people, all, you know, it has set me off on other, you know, t- I've gotten really into Zappa over the last year, largely inspired by Trey's um, Zappa influence and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, it's been a really fun experience and um, yeah, 
just you know yeah it's been really cool amazing um it is cool because i i think you're like one of my first guests that i've had on here who is like a recent fish convert you know <laughs> most of the people are like oh i saw them in the 90s or i got into them in in high school or you know so it, it's cool to get a more recent uh you know, someone who's gotten into the more recent perspective, not a recent perspective, because that's yeah. all of us or well, me, my bias. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I remember, I remember when I, you know, I'm a huge deadhead, and so I remember, you know, watching the uh, watching the Fairly Well shows, and that was right. really probably the first time that I had like actually sustained listen to Trey, and I was like, well, this is it's pretty cool, but like I don't really know anything about fish, you know, and fish definitely has kind of a you know. A certain reputation and, yeah uh, and Definitely. and which i think which i now think is inaccurate but uh but yeah um so that you know that was kind of my first exposure but uh but then, right uh, but then did uh and from there did did was it fish that led you to other jam bands like goose or was that your dead influence that helped that or both that was all kind of um let's say like all kind of concurrent yeah i uh i mean i was yeah i kind of my big because my whole thing, like for several years, was I would tell people, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into the dead. I'm not into jam bands, you know." Like, uh, and and a little um, bit and uh, and yeah, I don't know. Like, it just kind of it, it all kind of happened kind of concurrently that I was getting fish and you know getting Billy Strings and Goose and, and kind of that whole world. And it just you know, as, as you well know, you start listening to one thing and it's like, oh well, like oh, well, those people played with these people and this is from right. that. And it just all kind of, you know, it's like you get down the rabbit hole. So yeah, most, of the way, like. most of the way I discover new music is like if, you know, Trey covers a song or like mm-hmm. some some band I like covers a song. And then I'm like, oh, like, that's a good song. I should listen to more stuff by that artist. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's a, it's a it's an absolutely endless rabbit hole with so many different paths to go down it's it's amazing and it was very weird getting into all these bands that are like extremely live based and getting into it during (laughs) you can't see any live music so now i'm like in this thing of like you know i saw um two of trey's solo acoustic shows in um at the beacon i'm supposed to right here um i saw i saw uh two of his acoustic shows at the beacon and i saw him do his two radio city shows and then like you know in this fall i saw uh Goose do two. Sh- I saw Goose do their show at a, one of their shows at Terminal Five um, here in New York, and right. uh, that was See, amazing. You, you <laughs> at least you have the advantage of you got into the bands over the pandemic, but you live in New York, which means it's very easy for you to see the artists. I I got into Goose in February 2020, and I still haven't been able to, been able to see them because I'm stuck in Canada. So yeah. March, yeah, March. Yeah. Um, have yeah. you seen Have you seen Fish yet? Were you able to catch them this year? No, I was wow. going to go to the garden shows. Ah. <laughs> um, so, so uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my uh, my dad was going to fly out, and you know, I've kind of gotten him into fish a little bit over the last couple of years. And, and nice. we we're going to go to them, and uh, and alas, uh, well, uh, will I see you in April. Yeah, you will, yeah. All yeah. right, I'm going to all them, and it's going to be it's going to be good. Yeah, um, awesome. My, my it's going to be my first time in MSG, so I I can't wait. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, the thing that everybody always talks about when you when you talk to them about it is um is how you're up so high off the ground technically um because mm-hmm. it's like on the fifth floor or something that like you can feel it start to kind of shake a little bit when it gets yeah. really energetic in there. So it's going to be a good time. I'm excited. So let let's get into the song that oh. you picked, uh, which is Sand. Um, why? Wh- what made you pick Sand? <laughs> it just is really um, just I I I increasingly gravitate toward the uh, you know toward the um, that that '99 kind of some of the ambient jamming and stuff they were doing, mm-hmm. and Sand's really cool for that. And also, I just I my context uh, on sand specifically, I learned a lot about the song working on alive again, um, just because that was such an important kind of um, moment for Trey with, with, uh, with Tony and Russ um, in forming the tap trio. And kind of, that was one of the first originals that they did there. So, um, and, and it just always kind of fascinated me listening to how this song that was kind of initially done with the trio that then, you know, it's really interesting to hear how, you know, Paige fits in when they do it with Fish. And um, and obviously also really interesting hearing how it kind of evolved in the 3.0 era and 
you know, I want yeah. to talk about that. Definitely, these are, you know, I picked, um, I picked a 99 version, and um, your version from 3.0 is definitely, like, there's a lot. It's very interesting as well. Yeah, so, um, they're, they're, they're in a very, very different, different way. <laughs> very, they're very different vibes. Like, you, you picked 12, yep. 16, 99, which I love that one, but that's 20 minutes of straight type 1 sand. Um, yeah. I picked, and, and, you know, very ambient, kind of relaxed and hypnotic, mm-hmm. Um, and then I picked the uh, Halloween 2014 one, um, which is very like it's a lot more aggressive. Um, I think there's a lot more going on, mm-hmm. um, and it also has uh, like one of my favorite segues uh, into Twee Prize. Like it, mm-hmm. that that segue is incredible. Yeah. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about uh, twelve sixteen ninety nine first. This show is amazing. Uh, you know, December ninety nine is an incredible month. Um, you know, and fall ninety nine too. You know, one of my favorite fish jams of all time, the Boise Bag, also fall yep. ninety nine. Yeah. Um, but this show also has that incredible tweezer. Um, but yeah, this set is just it, it's a perfect. Uh, example of what makes fall 99 so awesome um and and the sand is like you know again very fall 99 it's just 20 minutes of holding down that groove um you know mike and fishman just sticking to it like mike doesn't vary from the sand baseline at all for 20 minutes which is crazy like i I feel like like by like four minutes in, he was just kind of zoned out and just like just going like thinking about what he's gonna have for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I can't yeah. imagine I can't imagine doing that for twenty minutes straight um and being engaged with it unless my name was Tony Markellis. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I wonder I wonder if I mean I'm gonna let you talk about your pick in a minute, but like I, yeah. I was thinking about this when I was listening to this earlier. Um I wonder if when they debuted it with fish in 99, I wonder if Trey like specifically told them, like, I want to do this. Like I did it with tab. Like you're going to play this baseline the entire time and there's no switching it up. Or I wonder if Mike decided that on his own, you know, that he was going to stick to that. Cause you know, for these 1.0 sands in 99, like that's what he does. Obviously now he varies it very much like in in the halloween 2014 one barely a minute into the jam mike's already you know switching up the baseline that was one of the things that i really enjoyed and, and i know we'll get to your pick in a sec but uh you know that was one of the things i enjoyed uh listening to to that to the uh halloween 2014 sand was just yeah mike is like just like what's up guys he's like you know he's doing his thing and that that's yeah. cool um so uh so yeah, no, um, but yeah, this uh, this twelve sixteen ninety nine one that's definitely just what I really um, enjoyed. It's just how it, it is. It is a zone. It's a vibe. I feel like I I was listening to it. It's it's really cold in New York right now, and I was listening to it on a walk last night. It was dark, and it was like felt like I was kind of on the moon. <laughs> like that's kind of the vibe I felt like right. from that jam, you know. Um, versus definitely the uh, <clears throat> the Halloween one is definitely has a has a more kind of forward motion in terms of uh yeah versus the twelve sixteen one is so much like every minute they're kind of like add in just a little another texture a little another texture and this is ever so slightly changing right yeah and and to me it the twelve sixteen ninety nine sand is like you know if you watch like one of those movies where they're like you know they walk into a room and it's like a bunch of hippies smoking weed it's like mm-hmm. that jam is what's playing. <laughs> you know, it's like that yeah. very stereotypical, like, oh, that's yeah. your weed music. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting to me as well is Trey doesn't play guitar until almost 12 minutes in. Yeah. After, you know, yeah. once the jam starts, like he doesn't he doesn't touch his guitar from um, like five and a half minutes until 12 minutes. Like he's just mm-hmm. dicking mm-hmm. around on his keyboard and. I don't know how many people know, you know, Trey had his mini keyboard in 1999. That's where a lot of those twinkly ambient sounds yeah. uh, that you hear in jams came from. Um, and he also had, you know, he has his boomerang delay pedal, which is like longtime staple of his rig. But he had a second one uh, in the rig in 99 for use with the keyboard. So 
he would just layer all of these different loops, you know, around um, just before six minutes. Um, he puts that twinkly thing uh, that, to me, I connect with the end of the Boise bag. Um, and they're just all of these, like, very familiar kind of sounds that you hear all throughout that year that he just yeah. layers one on top of the other in this jam, and they're just going in. prevalent um for the first half of the jam and then Trey turns down the volume a bit and they're kind of in the background so you don't hear them as much when you get that you know more intense bit at the end uh but then when they drop back into the sand groove at the end by then when i was listening i'd like you know kind of forgotten about the loops and then as soon as they drop back in you can hear them immediately i thought that was really really cool I almost was like, it's like, you know, they, when they pick that, when they get back into the, um, into the like main kind of sand motif at, at the very end, like, and, but then, you know, obviously with some of that loop stuff, like hanging around and stuff, I was like, it's almost like, like, like you've, you've seen some stuff, you know, like, like you came from, you, you've been through right. it and now we're back, but there's like, just, you're a little bit different, you know? So, uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I describe it at one point as a, like a cosmic space cloud. Yep. You know, it, exactly it feels to me saying. like yeah. it's a really interesting um, juxtaposition because in a lot of Space Jams, especially now, all four of them are in on the Space Jam stuff. Like they're all doing crazy alien things, you know, mm -hmm. something like the Deer Creek Simple. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone's doing crazy stuff and it's awesome. But in this, it feels to me like, you know, like a like a giant like fog bank or a giant cloud descending on like a city or something. And the city is mm -hmm. like, you know, Mike and Fishman, like very grounded and like stable and consistent. And then you just have this like weird space cloud of synth and effects and stuff that Trey and Paige are putting down. I, I just, it's, it's, you know, you get that kind of imagery when you listen to this. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a really interesting point and kind of one, I, I, I mean, the big difference between the, um, our two kind of picks here is how, um, how the rhythm section figures in, um, and, and think like, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, hearing them hold it down for so long, like that just yeah. is kind of, uh, that's, you know, commendable, but then it also is interesting in, in, uh, the Halloween 2014, I'm hearing them kind of mix it up a little bit, but also, I mean, I did have like a little note, like kind of like, I guess, uh, like, yeah, during once Trey switched to guitar, you do hear like fish switching up some of the rhythm a little bit, but you know, mm -hmm. ever so slightly, you notice it when he does. Um, but definitely, uh, definitely it, it's staying pretty, uh, pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah. And, and this kind of jam has really grown on me, uh, mostly over the past year, I think, um, you know, I, I wasn't, I, you know, obviously I still prefer, modern fish to 90s fish um but you know there's less of a gap than there used to be like i, I you know i used to look at these long type one jams from like even 97 99 like these just like a long funk groove or a long ambient groove it's like okay like i'll take three four minutes of this but 20 minutes is unnecessary like the first time i heard the big cypress sand i was like what's the incentive to listen to 22 minutes of a sand groove and now i'm you know i'm listening on a deeper level now i think and i'm more appreciating the different layers of what's happening um and so while again i still prefer this sand from 2014 that has more going on um 
I've gained a new appreciation uh, for these long ambient ones, I think. Well, it's interesting because, yeah, like kind of my own listening habits over the course of the pandemic, I got, yeah, besides Fish, I got kind of really into sort of listening to like a lot more ambient music, I think, because things are like so crazy in the world right now that it's like I need a little bit of kind of calm. And I got like really into like ambient, um, like ambient country and like weird, like kind of like steel guitar, ambient mm-hmm. noodly stuff. And, um, and so definitely like, yeah, like, I mean, you mentioned the Boise Bag, and I love that one as well, where they'll just kind of like be out there vibing, and it just is the textures are really, um, really interesting. Yeah. So before I keep going, question if you had to pick a favorite fish jam, I'm curious, again, your perspective that, you know, you've been into them for just under two years at this point. Like, God, I don't, what would that be for you? I don't know. I mean, I mean, the big one that really was like, so like my first shows I really listened to were the Island Tour, but then the yep. one that really like broke it open was listening to Amsterdam set. Um, yeah, Amsterdam, all those Amsterdam 97 shows. Would and it have I been always for- the February or the July? I forget if it was. very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's whichever one had, I, th- I think it's the February one with uh, with Down With Disease and the first Karini. And the Karini, yeah. Yeah, that that was that was the jam that really broke it open for me, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, because I remember, I mean, you know, again, like Stephen Hyden and Rob Mitchum are both like, you know, people who I really, you know, respect their opinions. And when when uh, Stephen Hyden kind of was like, "Yeah, they almost get like Sonic Youthy," it was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know that fish sounded like this, and so that was, yeah, that was very cool. Um, yeah, wi- winter winter ninety seven uh, that Europe tour is like a really cool um transitional tour because you have the you know they're going from that you know they're they're kind of starting towards the funk of 97 but they're not quite there yet and so there's yeah. just a there's a lot of different things going on yeah that that amsterdam yeah. show is awesome yeah. um but yeah let, let's talk a little bit about uh my pick which is the halloween 2014 um sand this one again as we've mentioned a lot more aggressive all four band members are a lot more assertive, you know, like all it, the 12, 16, 99 sand, um, you know, they all could have hit a bowl off stage uh, yep. before it and then gone on and been in this like dreamlike state. This one, they definitely didn't, you know, regardless of the fact that, you know, <laughs> they don't do drugs anymore or whatever, but like, you know, that it's, it's a lot more hard charging and especially because it's the end of the third set of a Halloween show, um, which normally by this point, you know, you're either getting a bunch of songs or a few short jams. Um, but like throwing this like 18 minute sand that has like this crazy fiery energy to it, uh, towards the end of the third set is really cool. Um, in that context, not just, you know, with how good the jam is, uh, you know, you've got this great type one section, uh, at the beginning that, you know, Trey rips. Um, I think Paige really shines in the second half on Clav. Um, I was they, blown away listening to Paige on this. I mean, just, I, just talk about like, you know, yeah, it, it just like perfectly reinforcing when it's appropriate, but also like really like, Leading. you know, changing things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, I described um, his playing as saucy around 10 minutes and 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I, I thought, uh, just to, you know, stop you for a sec, I, I thought that uh, was very interesting that you made the note about the, because I was thinking about this too, about the um, the placement within the shows in terms of of the 12-16 one. It kicks off the second set and versus this one is like, yeah, as you said, toward almost the very end of this just like marathon, a three-set show. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, and I, I really like that um you know that nasty riff uh that they get in around uh 13 minutes like you know the stop start jamming woos notwithstanding there were just like there like some clav breaks in there trey just gets absolutely filthy mike's doing some awesome envelope filter stuff like it's just and and, and fish is just pushing the whole thing as as he does
as a tour, you know, when I was listening to Fish, you know, in, in the fall of 2014, I was listening to, a, you know, a bunch of the shows. And that was the first time that I, as a 14-year-old at the time, kind of had the thought, like, you know, maybe maybe that's it. Like, maybe they're past their prime. Like, I know there was a lot of slop from Trey on this tour. Um, you know, he maybe wasn't playing as well as in 2013 or, you know, obviously not playing as well as in the 90s. Um, and I think I've mentioned this on a few prior episodes, but that was really like a moment for me where I was kind of like, okay, like, you know, maybe we're on the other side of the mountain. And then, you know, they throw out a jam like this and there are obviously mm-hmm. a few other awesome standout jams from mm-hmm. fall 2014. But I would say, you know, it's it's not a very talked about uh, tour in terms of 3.0. You know, 2014 as a whole uh, was kind of an uneven year, I think. You know, you have stuff like Randall's. Um, you know, you have those massive Fuegos from earlier in the summer. Uh, you know, Dix was great as it was, that amazing simple. Um, but you've got, you know, the Fuego songs making their ways into second sets and the line is everywhere and devotion to a dream and you know these songs that people don't like as much and so i i think you know in the context of the year this is a really really cool jam yeah I yeah think. and yeah. i'm i mean i think it's very interesting looking at kind of also because uh, you know the beginning the vocal part of sand always you know it, there there isn't a ton of variation um but then hearing how like in the 99 one, he just trays just like, uh, like the second that the vocal part ends, he's like, I'm going over to the little keyboard thing. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm gonna, like, and then, um, but then on the 2014 one, how he just is like immediately like, like, yeah, let's go in, let's start soloing, let's start doing that thing. And it's very melodic and pushing it forward and stuff. And, and that was really interesting for me here because that is totally not a flavor that you get with the, like a lot of the 99 ones where they're getting more ambient yeah. when you're hearing that in the 2014 ones, like I'm going to do a cool solo right now. I'm going to start jamming immediately. And that's uh, that was cool. Yeah. And so are you, are you pro woo or are you anti woo? Um, I think I'm anti woo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I did not enjoy that part so much, but you know that's kind of one of the things where it's like being there is the differentiating factor. I feel like right. <laughs> so. I I see. I'm pro woo because Trey loves it so much. Um, you know, I think watching him when the crowd woos is awesome because he just he loves it and has this huge grin on his face always. <laughs> um, and it's fun to do it when you're at the show. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think yeah. it doesn't belong in vultures, but when when they do it uh, during jams, sometimes it's cool. Um, you know, they, obviously there there are two different uh, woo sections in uh, in the sand. Um, one of them during that like schools out jam at the yeah. end. Uh, yeah, I love I love that. Uh, and, it's fun. And kind of the yeah. way that it goes from that like really driving funk groove with like the you know strong clav and you know the repeating riff that they keep doing that like trey finds earlier in the jam and then mike plays it at the baseline for a while and then they all jump on it uh before it transitions to schools out um, yeah like it's just, there's so much great interplay happening in this one yeah it feels a very it's evolving very organically in other ways contributing to it and that that's yeah that's really enjoyable and I love, yeah, Paige's clap work is pretty awesome. The, yeah. the degree of the funk and just he's got these like dirty tones and it just is like, yeah. His his clav it. tone uh, in early 3.0 up until, I think it it changed a little bit in 2015, I think. But uh, like, especially 2013, 2014, it's just like, it's so good. And I, I, I haven't, totally figured out i mean i've only played actual clav a few times in my life but i haven't totally figured out how he gets that kind of feedback on the clav it's like normally with a guitar you can get feedback when you move around uh you know or you can Uh yeah you know your position to the amp but page isn't moving the clav you know in Mm -hmm. relation to the amp like he's Mm -hmm. just he Mm -hmm. just has the keys so i've always wondered how he does that if anybody knows uh please let me know tweet me something just tell me because i've i've it's been like a decade now and i've 
not been able to figure out how he does that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of that. There's like that cool um, delay dissonance part. That's I think uh-huh. I started talking about that earlier, and then my train of uh-huh. thought went elsewhere, which happens all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But there's that like cool weird delay section um, until Trey like finds that like schools out I- jam idea and pushes them in that direction. But there's a cool where they're all just kind of swirling around. Um, I mean, and that's the closest we get to kind of that ambient fog haze of the other jam. Um, yeah. It's still pretty far from that, but that that's the closest we kind of get to it, I think. Well, and this is an interesting thing of where it's like, okay, so when I come to a sand, I'm kind of looking for that more, um, I'm looking for kind of a darker vibe, you know, like, like I'm looking for that kind of dark, angsty, vibe and and mm-hmm. um and it's interesting because in the in the big cypress set when they go into um quadraphonic it's like so um it kind of goes in the direction that i'm wanting it to go versus even in the twelve sixteen ninety nine one i mean it is a hard stop before they go into the next one but they go into mango song it just kind of like I'm like Ooh, that's kind of like not quite my uh, my vibe I'm going for right now. And so it's kind of like this. It, that's where it's interesting where the sequencing in this uh, Halloween show comes into play, because it's like it's like it makes sense. Like if you're there, you're going to you're like at the end of set three, you're ready for the big finale. You're having fun. Your buzz, if you're into that, is like as much as it's going to be for the night and stuff. And and so it make and they're about to go into Tweet Prize. So it makes sense that then they're like. All right, we're going to do this fun little schools out tease. We're going to do the Rue thing, and then we're going to, you know, send it off to the big finale. So, uh, so, but that just maybe, like, I was really on board with this one, kind of until we got into some of the a little bit of the ruling, and I was mm-hmm. like, eh, I don't know. Um, but then the transition into the into the tweet prize is great. So, and yeah. you know, I'm going to come back to your point earlier, but um, <laughs> the 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 transition into tweet prize is awesome because it's like a full. 30 seconds of just like you know trey kind of like starts teasing the riff and then he just starts fully playing the tweet prize riff and they're just yeah. going and like you can just tell the band just like yeah like like we found it yeah you know um yeah, yeah. you know i'm sure they were planning they obviously were going to planning they were planning on ending the set or show with tweet prize regardless um but it's cool the way that they organically found it instead of you know hard stopping it out of sand um yeah, and and if you listen to the beginning of the Twee Prize track, you know I I don't know if you did that yeah. after the sand, yeah. uh, but there's mm-hmm. just the way that they get into it and they kind of like all drop out one by one, leaving Trey to you know start the song properly. And I just think it's it's a really cool segue, you know, especially for a year like 2014 where you don't see a lot of smooth segues like that. Uh, and the songs that work in good placements, you know, you get a lot of rip chords and mid-second mm-hmm. set the line and lots of lovely things like that that uh, thankfully we don't <laughs> see that much of anymore um yeah. but yeah back, back to your earlier point of you know you liking the darker vibe of sand it's it's interesting to look at the changing of sand's role in a show um you know from 99 to the modern era you know it, it back then it was the it was these big you know, 20 minute, uh, basically it was like a playground for Trey, um, and page too. But Mm -hmm. I think mostly for Trey, you know, he used sand as an opportunity to just kind of experiment on his keyboard and, you know, just dick around with his effects and see what he could do over this kind of like blank canvas, you know, the same ways 2001 is kind of this blank canvas to do that. He just, you know, it's a very, it's a similar kind of thing where it's a consistent groove, you know, there's no chord changes to anticipate. Obviously, 2001 has the the chorus and that stuff, but he's the one that cues it. So he can take as long as he wants to do whatever he wants with his effects. And so, you know, obviously his, his effects palette is very different now than it was then, but he's really using this as an opportunity to experiment and you can hear he's just layering different things it sounds like he's playing like a steel pan drum patch on the synthesizer at one point um you know and this is later in the year like you know he's already had the keyboard for a full year but he's still you know there's a difference between using it in 
say like a, a deep jam and a chalk dust versus a type one sand jam. You know, again, it's that, it's that blank canvas. Um, yeah. But then now, you know, looking at how sand works <laughs> in the modern era, kind of, you know, excluding some jams like uh, this Vegas one and 2021, I will exclude as well. But it, it was mostly, and obviously there are a few others like Dick's 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, sand was this type one rager. And especially in uh, like 2017 to 19, it was really this set closer or mid set energy boost. Like, wasn't really doing anything that you wouldn't expect. Like, it was very much. They're playing it great. You can expect a really fiery peak, and then the set's going to be over, or you know, just keep the energy high. Like, it's nice that we're now back at a point where, you know, when they start playing sand, like, there's a good chance that it's going to modulate out of the song, and they're going to. Because I will admit, like, listening to sand, it's not the easiest groove to break out of, you know, yeah. because of how because of how locked in the rhythm section is, and because of how steady it is, like. A lot of songs, um, you know, it's definitely easier to get type two on. Um, but sand, sand is one where the groove is already, you know, there. I, it's it's hard to describe, but like you, you know what I mean. Well, this is something that uh, Trey talked about when we when uh, we talked to him for um, for alive again and talking about writing sand in first tube, uh, kind of like on the same day with with, uh, with Tony and Russ and how like the objective was we want to these songs are just like this very elemental hypnotic like like groove that just you can lock into and that it's like it's so reliable that somebody could be dancing and grooving to it and that there isn't you know so so much of a signature of fish is is we're going to be messing with song structures we're going to be switching up rhythms and time signatures and all that and this Mm. is not that this is this is this is just like we're giving you this rhythm and then as you know, you can either it both is a consistency for the audience. And then as you said, a playground for Trey to do whatever he wants over this very kind of bedrock vibe. And that's another reason why it's interesting listening to 2014 and, you know, other 3.0 sands because they're, they've, they've now kind of shed that where they can, they can mess around with it a little bit more than they might have um, at least as a full band. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's interesting mentioning the way I'd, I'd forgotten about. I was that in the Alive Again podcast. It's been, I think it was. A long yeah, time I, since I, I listened to it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But so that specific detail about writing it with the intent of it being this kind of you know consistent groove thing, then that probably answers my earlier question about you know whether Trey you know basically told Mike and Fish like you stick with this, you know, you don't change it up to keep with that vibe because I think, you know, by 2014, obviously the band is a much more democratic, you know, playing music wise. Like in 1999 page was still, uh, just starting to step out more, you know, still, but it's still very much, we go where Trey says, um, and in 2014, you know, they've already had, well, besides the fact that it's 15 years later, um, you know, they've gone through, you know, the hiatus, they've gone through 2.0, they've gone through the breakup, and they've had this rebirth where they've, you know, had this more democratic style of jamming, especially in 2014. Um, I remember in that year, Trey was purposely trying to play more rhythm guitar, um, you know, after kind of the highlight of fall 2013, and, you know, his playing in 2011 or 2010 through 2012 was also fantastic. Um, but he kind of, t- I remember, I don't know if I read it, uh, whether it was an interview with him or something, but I remember back then reading like Trey has focused on taking a step back and letting the other band members, um, you know, step forward more and in a different way than he did that in say 97, because in 97, mm-hmm. you know, he's playing a lot of rhythm guitar. He's playing, you know, these funk grooves, but he still has these crazy, you know, Hendrix-like uh, solos where he just kind of pulls the jam wherever he wants and, like, creates this cloud of dissonant guitar noise um, and craziness. Um, but in 2014, like, he's really, you know, he's just playing a lot more rhythm guitar. Like, in this jam, you know, 
after his initial type one solo, he's playing some really fantastic rhythm stuff um, as it kind of transitions into that more hard charging, you know, more stanky for lack of a better yeah. term. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, group. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's other highlights well, in this, but yeah, I mean, okay okay (laughs) Um, it's it speaks to also his transition from uh his playing style in like 97 to 99 uh you know like if sand had existed in 1997 it would have come out very different not just because he didn't have the keyboard then but because he was playing guitar very differently like in 99 his dissonant solos aren't as angry I think they're more, they've got that reverse delay, which is present towards the end of this sand. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But they've got that kind of, you know, like kind of quality to it. Like you're going through a wormhole, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's still, I think that there's less of the, uh, there's less of the whammy. um, Yeah. Which is, you know, again, characteristic of, Trey's playing in general, but a lot of those solos in 97. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, you know, even, even over the span of two years, they were undergoing so much change as a band at the time. And, you know, with the new material and new gear and stuff, um, they're really, you know, trying to reinvent themselves as well. You know, they got the, they nailed the funk in 97 and then they started moving a bit more, into ambient stuff in 98, you know, you really see, um, you know, the Island tour, you know, being like the last of the fall 97, uh, funk sounds of like the, you know, you have a lot of the jams end up funk groove, crazy tray, screaming peak craziness, funk groove, um, where you move into a more cohesive version of that, which, you know, is why I'm, not as hot on fall 97 as a lot of people because there's a lot of those moments like in the uh the 11 19 wolfmans uh is one that comes to mind i talk about that uh on episode five of this podcast mm-hmm. um where there's just these couple of moments where you know the jam seems to be going somewhere and then trey gets bored or decides he wants it to go somewhere else and just like brute force crazy guitar stuff into this yeah. different kind of jam you know, and that's why, like, I'll always prefer summer 97 over fall 97 because you've got that um, more, like, they're more together. I you do. Know, really, I, I, I do I, think I, I, I might like summer 97 more than, uh, more than, <laughs> yeah, more than uh, fall 97. Is summer 97 the one with the, uh, with that, like, really cool ghost in Lakewood the Ghost? I think. Yeah, that one's off. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that's that. it. Yeah. That's also one of my top five fish jams ever. That's a great um, one. That's I great I actually one. I only know three of my top five fish jams ever off the top of my head because I can't yeah. decide. But I know Baker's Dozen Chalk Dust, Lakewood Ghost, and Boise Bag. Um, all right. So there, there you go, go, all you people who criticize me for not liking <laughs> 1.0 enough. I've got two 1.0 jams in my top five. You respect the history. <laughs> I I I never you know don't respect the history. It's just yeah. you know I I've got a more unpopular opinion obviously but i i prefer the i prefer the way they're doing now like 2021 is currently my favorite year of fish um you know and i i always say like i've always said that fish is the best it's ever been but i've only been right for like the last four years <laughs> yeah yeah Not i mean like, it's it's interesting in your experience just being on uh, like me on, on the younger side of things and like talking to people who it's always like you know, like, like my dad, huge deadhead and talking to him about like being at the closing of Winterland, 123178. And it's That's like, awesome. like, what the heck, dude? And it's like, so, but it's like interesting though, because like people, uh, people who lived it have a different perspective than mm-hmm. people who kind of came to it with like, okay, like I wasn't living it and I can look at it with like maybe a little bit more objectivity and kind of be like, okay, like this is the problems I have with that or whatever, you know? So it's, it's definitely not to get too, uh, you know, 
philosophical here. But right. Definitely. But like, yeah, 20 years from now, you know, people are going to be like, wow, Fish is playing way better in their, you know, in their late 70s than they were in their late 50s. Like, yeah, because, yeah, we, we know they'll still be playing. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you know it, it's it's a different perspective because, yeah, you do get, you know, a different perspective on it. Um, when you listen to it 25 years later versus listening to it at the show or having the experience of collecting the tapes that, you know, everyone had back in the nineties, uh, you know, we have the luxury of being able to pull up any show we want at a moment's Mm -hmm. notice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a different perspective, you know, having, uh, you know, we're lucky that this 12, 16, 99 show has the archival release and, it's one of those shows from the nineties that has that, you know, there, there are some, you know, they all sound great, but there are some that just have that, you know, you know how this one sounds like the soundboard just has that depth to it. Fishman's yeah. kit just sounds incredible. Um, everything just has such definition is so, um, as opposed to like, for example, I'm just going to pick Fall '97 because those shows have a have a very different. I don't know if these were recorded on like a 16 track versus a two track, yeah. or whatever. But it it just has such a bright and full sound to me that I I'm yeah. you know very grateful that I get to listen to it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, with dead stuff and fish stuff, you know, it's easy to a little bit spoiled you know like yeah people from uh you know older generations be like i had to work for those tapes i really cherished it and it was you know uh it was like a fifth generation tape and it sounded like crap but boy did i love it you know and right and you know you kids with your archive and stuff (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah it's it's you know it's amazing what what a what an age we live in that we're also able to you know watch all the shows live like it's it's awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, like that's definitely something that, you know, we take for granted. Like the fact that if, you know, if a show isn't webcasted, we like complain and then be like, ah, oh, we need a Mixlr. Like somebody better be streaming it. Like, you know, back then you couldn't even see the set list, you know, mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. later in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's all, it's all about perspective and it's, and it's, you know, yeah, it's just, it, it's hard to see it from, you know, the other perspective when, you know, I'm 21 years old and I've never experienced anything other than, you know, shows being available immediately after, you know, um, being able to webcast mm-hmm. basically anything. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's why I'm a bit more of a Jaded Goose fan than a lot of people because I have the, I've never seen a show. So, you know, there's no, jam that's like well i was there and it was amazing like it's all just like not that say that i'm like the like I, I feel like my point seems like it's coming out weird but like you know it's just you have that different perspective uh listening back to a lot more than you've seen live or yeah 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 it's it's definitely it's a fascinating experience yeah. for sure i mean i remember and i'm a few years older than you so i kind of remember when the live stream like i remember sitting in my dorm room during freshman year um of college so sort of in spring 2011 i remember watching lcd sound systems farewell show farewell and air quotes um farewell show from the garden and it was live streaming a video live stream and i was just like we live in the future you know (laughs) like it was back when that was not and now just i mean it is is a really cool lucky thing to be able to couch tour and everything and that was a fascinating thing when a concert shut down at the beginning of the pandemic was like, it, it was, it had other than some high profile examples been largely kind of a jam band thing. And that then, you know, other people were like, Whoa, you can like watch concerts in your home. This is awesome. You know? Right. So yeah, it's uh it's, it's, but, it's yeah, been a fascinating the, thing. And the, and the pandemic created that environment to make it feasible for other artists to live stream. Like a lot of yeah. the time, like, you know, I'm not going to pay, $200 to watch live streams of every webcast on like, you know, a Drake tour. Yeah. Besides the fact that I am not a huge fan of Drake, but <laughs> you know, if I was every show's pretty much the same, you know, he's yeah. touring in support of an album. So he's playing songs from that album. And so even as like a hardcore Drake fan, like maybe you want to watch every show, but like 
probably not. Meanwhile, to yeah. me, like Goose Winter Tour starts next week. I am my wallet is ready to drop two hundred dollars on the webcast pass, and like it's significantly more for me too because of the exchange rate. But I'm just like, <sighs> yeah, it's like I can't not do it. You know, what am yeah. I going to not watch all the shows? Like it's and it feeds on it because they know that right. that people are watching and that they have to be you know more than they even would anyway they have to be you know locked in every night and doing creative things every night and uh yeah and you know and yeah and and then you add that extra element to it which is like you know the social media aspect like live tweeting a show is so much fun you know obviously more people live tweet a fish show than live tweet a goose show but like you know when fish is on tour and you know, we're all on Twitter and we're all either webcasting or people are posting from at the show, like, and everyone's just like, you know, my whole feed is freaking out about the same thing. And like, you know, when people post one of those screenshots where it's like three people tweet like the exact same thing, freaking out about the show within like 10 seconds of each other. It's just awesome. I mean, doing that with both the, I mean, this is archival stuff, but the dinner and the movie stuff. Um, and then also the dead um, shakedown streams that they were doing like early pandemic days. Yeah. That was like, that was like a lifeline of like, all right, we can just all make crack jokes about Jerry's ponytail. It's all going to be okay, guys. Like, right. you know, so. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and with the dead, there's an even, you know, the, the different perspectives has so many more different generations than the fish Mm -hmm. ones do like your dad has such a different perspective than you know my dad even because your dad saw them in the 70s my dad saw the dead for the first time in 87 so my dad was late to it because he was you know he was a kid when they were doing the acid tests and stuff so he didn't exactly he was already late to the party and he's a big like he loves jerry garcia band because that was like really starting up when he was like, you know, late teens. And that was like what he really had a connection to and stuff. So right. yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. And then, you know, 20 years from now, there will be people cheering for a bust out of the line, you know, it's, ah, it's, so it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> it's like the same people who want dead and company to play, like keep your day job, like just for oh, fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's hit like, the Brent, hit the Brent stuff. <laughs> you just, you yeah. want, you want a song that's just like, you know, they don't play just because they don't play it. No, that's a kind of a, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's all about perspective and, you know, going back to the music that we were talking about, uh, it was a good tangent. You know, I'm, I'm always, when I go into an episode, I'm like, I wonder what the tangent's going to be in the second (laughs) half of the episode this time. And so, you know, it's, I really enjoyed that one. That was, we got, we got, we got thoughts. We got thoughts about generational stuff and liking these bands where people can be a little bit, uh, can be a little bit, uh, territorial and, and, uh, and impassioned, I would say about their kind of the era that they have a connection to. Definitely. I I do want to mention one more, you know, thing about these two versions of sand, um, kind of contrary to what you'd normally expect from a nineties jam versus a modern era jam, you know, there's been, I guess 2014, not as much, but there's been in recent years, there's been a lot more synths and electric piano and stuff in the jam where a lot of the stuff in the nineties, um, had more clav and piano and organ to it, you know, more grounded kind of, you know, acoustic instruments, I guess, versus like synthesizers. And it's kind of the opposite here, um, which I guess, you know, 99 is kind of an outlier. Uh, Their 98, 99 were really more of that synthy sound um, as opposed to, you know, like there was a lot of synth in 97, but there was still the heavy clav and piano uh, and things like that. But, you know, you have... You know, there's no synth in the 2014 sand, whereas now if they play anything, really, you're guaranteed to hear some synth. Yeah. Um, but interesting. You know, Paige is doing some really, really cool and really subtle stuff on his Yamaha CS60, which is the big one uh, that he plays Meat Stick on. Yeah. Um, he's doing some really, really cool stuff uh, in this 121699 sand. I, it's just like in the first half when Trey is also on the keyboard and they're making that cosmic cloud, you know? Yeah. I mean, just every, yeah, just like 
keeps doing these little layers, these little permutations, these kind of little things changing that, you know, I, I find that kind of subtlety. I, I could see, I definitely understand the case of somebody saying like, I want something a little more going on. I definitely get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and, and that's, I thought the 12, the 10, 31, um, 14 one was really interesting for that reason, because yeah, they're just, they're, they're moving through stuff. They're doing things there. <laughs> and, and, and that, that was really fun as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just two, two very different flavors on, uh, the same song. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> and, and that's the beauty of it. You know, there's a, there's yeah. a version for every mood that you're in. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a that's a great place to wrap up the episode. Um, right. Thank you so much, Eric, for being on today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, for those of you interested, uh, you know, if you're still listening, we've got later this week. We've got a very special episode coming out um, about the Fish Jam of the Year 2021 bracket that just debuted over at Fish.net. Uh, really excited about this one. It's a really cool bracket. Uh, I've got a couple of great guests coming on. Uh, so look out for that uh, around Wednesday, I'm going to say, but don't hold me to that. Um, uh, but yeah, so thank you all so much for listening to this episode of We Move Through Stormy Weather. Hope you have a fantastic day, and I'll see you next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.